So the reading today comes from 1 Corinthians 2, 1 through 16. And I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. And my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Yet among the mature, we do impart wisdom, although it is not wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away. But we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit, for the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in him? So also, no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might understand things freely given us by God. And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them, because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we, we have the mind of Christ. This is the word of the Lord. continue in our cinematic cinematic gosh cinematic Christmas sermon series um, and this is week two of four and this week we're going to look at and analyze the movie Polar Express which will help us reflect on and illustrate our passage and once again, like last week, we are looking at a non-traditional Christmas passage, looking at 1 Corinthians second chapter. And I must admit, um, after watching the movie again this week, that um, I am like way more familiar with this Bible passage than I was or thought I was about the movie. Um, I think, if I'm remembering right, I think we went to the movie theater to see this. And I think I was sleeping a lot in the movie theater. Was that the one we almost got in a fight with the people? Or that was a different Christmas? That was a different Christmas <laughs> where your mama and Aunt Kia had to almost... Okay, there were some really rude people in the theater. We had to, had to regulate in there that Christmas. 
Um, so, but I, I only remember seeing uh, parts of it. And um, we even went to the Polar Express exhibit in Salisbury at the train place. And boys were little. And that came back and out, and that movie came out in 2004. You know you're getting old when it seemed like it came out last year. Um, it's what I would describe, and Clark and I disagree on this, as an uncanny animated movie. He explained to me, uncanny means it's so, what done so well that it's kind of weird looking. Um, and, and it's about a train, the Polar Express, and the Polar Express stops and picks up various kids from their homes on Christmas Eve and takes them on an adventure that ultimately ends up at the North Pole to see Santa, the elves, Christmas Town, and all of that. And on the way, I'm trying to put my mic on, if y'all are wondering what I'm doing over here. And on the way, they learn various lessons from the train conductor. Tom Hanks plays all the adult figures in the movie I learned. And um, this ain't working right. Okay. Man, it's so easy when you're not under pressure to get it on. Um, and so on the way again, like they learned various lessons. You got the train to conductor there. You got Santa. You have this magical stowaway hobo that's on the train. And this wild and crazy journey becomes more than finally a way to see Santa and get to the North Pole. But I would describe it as a trip to belief. A trip to belief. And we're going to look at three propositional stops. We're going to make three propositional stops. Y'all like that? Um, the train? Okay. Along the way. First, we will see that our ability to believe is broken. Secondly, that the Spirit of God must intrude upon and enter our lives for us to believe. And finally, the Spirit of God must translate spiritual truths and beliefs to our lives. So the main character, Chris, otherwise known as Hero Boy, is struggling to believe in the whole Santa-themed Christmas thing. Newly enlightened and informed by, let's call it his human wisdom. Chris just can't believe like he used to. With the indisputable proofs of a falsely bearded and dressed man and, and Santa costumes at the store. And, and with Chris just sort of outgrowing and getting wise about the tale of Santa Claus and Christmas gifts and the North Pole of all of that. He's left battling within throughout the whole movie. And a clear signal that he no longer believes is that not only does he not see how it could be true from all his reading and observing, but he can no longer hear, right? He is deaf to the magical Christmas bells of Santa's sleigh, which signal Santa's coming and Santa's existence. And it illustrates much of what is being said here in our Bible passage, doesn't it? Look at verse 6 with me again. It says, it's Apostle Paul talking, Yet among the mature we do impart wisdom, 
although it is not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away. But we impart a secret and hidden wisdom, right, of God, which, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. And then we can jump down to verse 14. The natural person, it says, does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. Rulers here, of course, refers to the, and just putting it all together, it refers to elite thinkers. It refers to the poets of the day, the writers, the political leaders, and, and what I would describe as the smart folks who determine what and how everyone else should believe, and they write books and do all kinds of things, and people will follow it. And, and, but it also says, you know, to those mature, right? It also applies to those who are in rulers wise enough to rule and run their own lives and to make human sense out of it for for themselves and others. Like in the Polar Express, coming of age, maturing, doesn't make us, as Paul is teaching, able to believe more. Actually, our ability for self-determination does not open our eyes to all truth, especially spiritual truth of God. It just proves more and more from what we decide and determine and do that our ability to believe in the things of God is broken. That we are spiritually deaf to the things of God in and of ourselves. As the passage is teaching, the things of God are beyond our seeing and beyond our understanding. Even if we get little bits and pieces, like people say, oh, there is a God. I can tell there's a force out there, the great spirit or whatever. Like we have all kinds of terms. It says that we don't have the understanding to actually put it together into belief. As you eventually find out in Polar Express, the adults of the world, the mature, the rulers, the, it tells us in the, in the movie, they cannot hear the bell. There was a scene where the bell is being shaken by Chris and his parents can't hear it. Yet they're running things. They're making the money. They're the smart people, right? What is telling us that we grow up to be people who are, are willing to make our own version a faith and religion and how we should live this life out of what we can discern, out of what we can see and understand on our own, all because our ability to believe in and see the Lord is broken. Right? That on our own, we are maturely and wisely, I'm going to say wisely, human wisdom, managing our spiritual lives within the faulty limitations of our awesome, awesome, but short-sighted humanity, right? Which ironically may make you, you know, he talks about the rulers of the world, you know, and, and all the great people. It ironically, all the wisdom you have, worldly wisdom, might make you good leaders. 
might make you good parents, friends, neighbors, citizens, good at what you do, creatives, business owners, awesome protesters, caregivers, educators, good and happy people potentially. But still with all of those successes, you and I may have yet to see and experience, as Paul says here, what God has prepared for his children in this broken world through Christ. Understand, this doesn't mean you aren't spiritual or religious. It just means that your religion and spirituality without the wisdom of God is at most a grand extension and reach of your human ability to think it, to smart it, and make it work for you. Even if, even if you were all into religious activities, you know, I was looking at some stuff for my sabbatical, like, okay, let me look at some, some places, spiritual retreat, right? Spiritual retreat, more religious than some Christian stuff going on out there, but spiritually completely off, right? Meditate to this, say this, believe in this. And, and it's like, if you sit silent and meditate for a long time on what? We'll give you a guide. Who is the guide? What is it? So it's not a matter of being religious. It, you know, it, all kind of religions have all kind of prayers, and, and people pray all the time, and, and they don't even know who they're praying to. There, there's no defining. There's no definition. There's no personal revelation of who they're praying to. They're just praying. Prayer and hospitality and stuff we value. Oh man, this person's really awesome in the community. And community care and morals and meditation and mantras and all kind of sacred ceremonies. And even if they work as far as humanly possible or desirable, the apostle is saying. Right? They work. Those meditations, all the stuff you do without Jesus at the center, it works. You feel peaceful. You're a nicer person. You drink all kind of teas and all kind of wheat stuff, and it just works. Your body gets better. It's awesome. That's what worldly wisdom is. It's enough to trick you into thinking there, that's all there is. I mean, there are times I'm just walking around. I ain't thought about God in three days, and I'm feeling good because things working out. You know what, they, know what they become? They become like our Christmas now. Will you go to the mall? I, or, I don't go to the mall much, but not anymore. But you go to the mall and you walk around, you see the lights, and you feel good. We call that the Christmas spirit, right? But we've done it. We've put the decorations in. We're holding on to something. Human wisdom creates religion. It creates a spirituality. So I want us to be careful there. Right? And so it is easy and a common mistake to build a faith and belief and religion and way of life around the thoughts, emotions, and feelings we have and feel in and about ourselves. Around the needs we are able to comprehend with solutions we like and are able to handle, build, control, and be confident of ourselves. And here's one of the major critiques of Christianity, right? People don't believe God could have written this because they only have imagined. Right? In and of themselves, this can only go as far as human wisdom. And yes, you have created this God, and you know how the neo-Orthodox thinking is. Well, you know, it doesn't matter whether he really exists. It only matters how well you are able to execute that belief to make your life worth living. Human wisdom. Faith is believing hard enough 
to make it okay with yourself, right? To make sense of your world, yourself. And you created this God and you wrote this Bible. Woohoo, pretty good. But that's not what Paul is saying. And even in the church, we are tempted to get on the prosperity gospel. I know we like dog and them folk, but also the other prosperity gospel I call the rich young ruler gospel, right? Which is building a faith and belief and relationship with God out of what you have decided yourself, what you need from God. I need eight through ten of the commandments, you know. I, Jesus, you take the rest, you know, whatever. Oh, and, and in turn, what you think God should do for you, and finally, who you think God is, and, and what He's doing in the world, and you interpret all these things. And, and really, there is this interesting, and we all do it. I'm not trying to say we don't do it, even Christians do it. We begin to. Ch- interpret the world through the lens of our human wisdom. (laughs) And we can even start to take the words of this Bible (laughs) and read our wisdom into it. I said, Jesus, I do it all the time. It's a struggle all week. When I'm writing my sermon, I'm like, "Mm mm-hmm, yeah, yeah, what? Who are you talking to? I be having conversations in my mind against people I don't like. Mm-hmm. Wait till they hear this one. That ain't the application of the wisdom of God. But we do it all the time. I'm tempted to do it. Maybe I did it. Right? I have to ask for forgiveness. Maybe I got in that pain and been like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It happens. We read our wisdom into it. You know, we need, we need the Lord, the Bible is saying, to bring us not, not where and how we can only think or imagine, but as to verse, as verse 7 through 9 tell us, we're in what he has prepared and imagined and enabled us to receive. A gift, y'all, that we can't get, receive, comprehend, build, blueprint, or put together for ourselves. A gift. You know, the movie begins with this huge train, right? Stopping in front of the homes of kids. And it stops in front of the home of Chris. And apparently stops in front of the whole home of Holly, a.k.a. Hero Girl. And then little Billy's home. Get this. Where there ain't no railroad tracks. Right? They, they, they didn't build that. There was no prepared for or pre-built by humans way for it to get there. It had to actually impose itself on the snow piled up roads, but it finds its way there in front of the homes of the kids who are supposed to get on, who happen to be awake at just the right time. You know, like the Polar Express did in the movie, belief, faith, the truth of God, it must intrude and enter our world where we can meet it. Here's the grace of God, right? The spiritually transforming truth of God from heaven must come to our street, y'all. God's transforming wisdom and power must call and welcome and stop in on our regular and sometimes more than not broken and beaten down lives where we are in our struggle and struggle to believe. Where we can see, where we can't see 
had to believe. Where we don't have tracks for God to travel on, right? Or faith, for faith, for faith to come and reach our remote and really messed up circumstances and situations. You know, for God to actually reach where you least expect he would find you or where he would even want to come, right? It intrudes. It enters. Belief by God's spirit comes there where you are, where the human race is in a way so we can be welcomed and come aboard his grace. The Apostle Paul says this, and let's look at what this vehicle looks like, right? What kind of vehicle could, could actually come into our world where there's no predetermined human tracks or means or methods or, or story to even our engine or power to make it come? What are we talking about here? Look at verse 1. He says, when I came to you, brothers, I did not come proclaiming to you. I, pray, I, I did, excuse me. And, and I, when I came to you, brothers did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech and wisdom, right? Let's say it's two tracks, speech and wisdom, right? In their world, if you had those two, power could travel, right? It could get to you, right? Speech and wisdom. For I decided to know nothing among you. In other words, I'm giving up on trusting in speech and wisdom to get to you, right? For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. Now hear what he says. And my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom. That's your everyday thing, right? but in demonstration of the spirit and of power so that your faith might not rest on the wisdom, in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Paul is saying, we, we, we didn't use the world's assigned railroad tracks, that, that I didn't take the traditional path to get to you. I didn't use a traditional or expected method or more succinctly, I didn't use a traditional worldly message of getting God's truth to you. A weak, not so smart dude, well, he was kind of smart, but in their world, he wasn't acting smart, Right? I came in and I told the story of what? The life, and this is what he says, the death. And later in 1 Corinthians, the resurrection of Jesus as the wisdom of God that gets and welcomes you aboard to eternal life. Which reminds me what was irritating about Polar Express to me. The train conductor, goofy. And corny, Right? And the engineers, man, they can't drive no train, right? Did you see those guys? If you watched the movie, they, they, they was weird. I wouldn't want them driving the train. These are the folks riding and calling people to get on board of a magical train without tracks that shouldn't work. I mean, it looks like when I watched the movie, they needed to get off that train and take a vacation. They needed a sabbatical from that train so they get their minds right. The conductor and the engine, they need some counseling, right? On the surface, y'all, it, it, it ain't trustworthy to get us there. Paul is saying, I'm like a goofy conductor, but I am depending on the train and its power and purpose and promised direction to get us there. 
Powerlifting, the method and means, the vehicle of God's choosing, it works to bring us to believe that we can't get to any other way. Understand what he's saying. Only the ministry and message of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, we call that the gospel, will the spiritual life of God actually reach you. Answering the call of the goofy conductors and getting on board to get, in, to, get to a place for your world to be met by God's glory. When he talks about the demonstration of the Spirit's power, he, he, Paul is talking about the administration, if you will, the, the ministry of God to the people in Corinth directly here by serving and leading them like the conductor did in the movie, pastoring and calling them and preaching to them and, and teaching to them and, and praying for them to the life of God, right? To the life God wants to bring to them and then bring to them. The ministry of the gospel, which declares itself not dependent and is not dependent on human contrived stories or methods. Now, if we look at it just at the surface, no, small, no smart people, person, or in the world's wisdom, think about what wins, wins election these days. Thinks about, think about what, what gets the most hits on, on, on Instagram or Reel or TikTok or whatever, or whatever the top stuff is. A crucified Savior ain't one of them, right? I mean, the message is devoid of much what we would automatically see as impressive or beautiful or popular or powerful or passionate enough even. The message and means to bring God's gift of truth to us is otherworldly. It is literally like a train with no tracks in the middle of a street on Christmas Eve with goofy staff, strangely merciful and loving people. It is uncanny. It is not normal. It is not right, but the true and good for taking, but it's true and good for taking us on the trip to believe and to hope. It is the vehicle of spiritual transformation for the children who come aboard at its calling. Look at what the Bible says further down in this passage in verse 10 through 13. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. Sorry, y'all. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the Spirit of that person, which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given to us by God. And we impart this in words, not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the spirit. Now hear this, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. All right. What's saying is there, there, there is truth and, and, and knowledge and, and understanding and message of God within the Godhead, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. They all know it. They all get it, right? Just like you get you, right? Nobody get you better than you until you go to therapy. Then you realize somebody else can kind of get you, but then you kind of, okay, you get it, <laughs> right? But it's saying no one knows what the Spirit of God is thinking because they're not in the Godhead, <laughs> right? Like, I'm not in your head. I don't know what you're thinking right now. Go, right? I don't know, 
Because I'm not in your head. Paul is saying no human being could automatically think what eternal life. Now think, God made you. He made the world. He sustains all things by his power. And you don't know what he's thinking. <laughs> the, the one who made you, who has the instruction manual, most of us don't know what think, he's thinking. You can't just automatically think you know what he's thinking because you're not in the Godhead. So Paul is saying the spirit has to bring it to us. God has to give it. It's just not, we're not, there's no mind meld here, right? Not yet. We're getting there. He's saying, know the message and ministry, though they are words and actions and mercy and justice and love, openly and outwardly bringing and expressing in the world between each other, love for God and love for community, all the stuff that, that God calls believers to do and neighbors, just like the Polar Express train, are something more than that. The gospel. And this administration is about giving and bringing and intruding and entering broken lives. Hear this with spiritual truths that come from the spirit of God for powerfully spiritual, I mean, for powerful spiritual purposes of God. It's going on a spiritual heart trip with God. Paul is saying that my words, the Christian ministry become a bridge and medium to bring you and bring you to a beginning and then continuing growing spiritual relationship and understanding and belief. Bringing and giving what you need to rescue you in your life from sin and unbelief and hardness of, of heart and human arrogance and misunderstanding. His gospel ministry and vehicle become words and actions and means and methods of grace where the tracks stop for you and me and, and are broken off and are methods to escape and help ourselves we call that vehicle the means of grace the ministry of the message of, and story of Jesus Christ through stuff like the word and prayer and the sacraments and the community fellowship and care life of a church and the outwardly faced mission of the church they are the train they are and bring the demonstration of God's truth so that you and I can be brought to a place where we can actually hear and respond and be redeemed. A ministry of God, a, a spiritual ministry, like a magical train, y'all. With, with the writers of Polar Express express like this magical train coming to your life, it is true. It, but what's really true is this spiritual train from the Godhead has come into your life and is asking you to get on board, to take you on a spiritual trip that will result in a change of life for you. To take you into a trip that you shouldn't and wouldn't be able to take on your own. A quick aside to Christians out there, just a quick aside. That means God uses your goofiness <laughs> You who are not so beautiful, rich, popular. You know, it's sort of hard being a Christian and being like, hey, let me tell you what the gospel says. God is coming to redeem all things. Well, why are all these issues coming in your life, right? Like why you still got problems, right? Goofy. Y'all broken people. Yeah, we're sinners. Come to Jesus. What? What's wrong with y'all? What's your testimony? Well, you know, right now I'm kind of struggling. Huh? 
Nah. Scripture's saying, don't stop being goofy. (laughs) The world is no match for his power to love it. With the tragic story of humanity's sinfulness needing a crucified Savior Jesus who loved people who couldn't and can't return the favor. Don't stop opening your lives to others. Don't stop worshiping because you are, while you're struggling, right? Don't think his purposes through you are not valued because you are not as cool or beautiful or smart or theologically astute as whoever it is. You know, I was telling in the movie that both kids that we see invited on a train, they say no at first. He's like, come on aboard. And they like, mm-mm. And they both go, I mean, Billy and Chris, when they were like, come on, come on. They were like, mm-mm. And they stood back. Mm-mm. I'm like, Who, what? No, I ain't getting on no train. I don't know you. I don't know where this train going, but I'm curious. Because you're here. That's kind of like, this trade's thrown up on my street. I kind of want to get on, but I kind of think I shouldn't, right? It's too much. And it's too little to go on. And it's too much, and it's claimed to take you to the North Pole. In our testimony today, it just reminded me. Heard Renika's hesitation to step into, you know, help into the gospel. That's all of us. We've all felt that kind of scary creepiness to accept and believe and need mercy and grace. But people look around. I mean, listen to what I'm saying right now. Not, not, not because I'm, I'm some great speaker or something. Don't, don't listen to me because I have a successful life and, and you can have one too, Right? Don't, 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 don't listen to me because guess what? You know, your destiny, what you've been wanting and praying for, God's going to give you. Don't. It's all about your destiny. No. It ain't because I got good sneaker game. No. No. Don't listen to me for that. I didn't have my hair cut in weeks. Don't follow me because I got a good haircut. It ain't worth it. Right? Or I'm a good comedian pastor. He's so funny. No, please. I'm more goofy than I am funny, right? Yeah, sometimes I wish I was, you know, Richard Pryor, Chris Rock or something like that. I kind of have the small dream of being a comedian. But don't follow me because of that. That's dumb. Look around. The not as smart as the, and not the popular leaders in this world. Look at the people of this church. What a rusty, ragamuffin, rugged, and raggedy group of people sometimes. The church around the testimony of faith in Christ are around the engine of Jesus is God's vehicle. To bring God's heavenly spiritual truths and ministry to you and me and bring us to it. It's about spiritual truths being communicated as the gospel is is faithfully preached and exercised among us. And why does he use such an other vehicle? Paul tells us again in verse 5. What does he say? So that your faith might rest in the wisdom, not rest rather, in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. 
wisdom, success. I'm going to put it all together. Success, wisdom, beauty. All the things the Greek world loved. Money, power, coolness, popularity. Right? He's saying this gospel is, in, is presented and comes in such a way that is not dependent or even promising those things to you. But it is guaranteeing in its faithful ministry and God's faithful work to bring you into spiritual truths where you can hear the voice and message and receive the grace of God to redeem your life. Speaking of Christmas, just think about it. I'm going to give you a little Christmas thing. God didn't let Jesus be born to a great king. Why not? This is a wrong way of doing it, God. Or a conqueror kind of king. Or into privilege and not even biologically normal. He didn't use the world's tracks, but born to a poor teenager. Maybe, you know, 14-year-old unknown Virgin Mary. She wasn't somebody everybody knew. A woman in her day, please. Ain't nobody listening. To be cared for by a teenager, I am not the father, fiance, and Joseph. He didn't use the popular, impressive people of the world, born in a cave or barn or, or spirit closet, if you will, not recognized in the dark of night. That's what Silent Night meant. Nobody recognized his birth. But he was the train, right? He was God's savior to save us. It was a supernatural, spiritual, beyond human comprehension because God was doing a powerful and spiritually untouchable, unclaimable by our broken and limited wisdom and ideas of what and how God will and should save us because we don't know how to save ourselves. And now he is bringing and doing and promising to do the same thing in you as you believe and are led into belief. Because not only must the Spirit of God enter our lives by stopping in on our world, the Spirit of God must translate. It must take and make our hearts hearts that believe. It is safe to say that Polar Express is a real trip because it has to take the kids away from their world. Hear me. And they're thinking into where they are finally free to see it and embrace it and hear the truth. Look at verse 13 with me again. And we impart this, the gospel ministry again through goofy people. This in words that not, that not taught. And I don't know why I'm having a hard time uh, reading today. Um, and we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit. Listen to this. Interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God for they are folly to him and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things but is himself to be judged by no one for who has understood the mind of God so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Y'all. The Bible is saying spiritual belief and growing faith in the Lord of glory in Jesus means that you you must become part of a spiritual conversation, a heavenly conversation that only happens by the move of the Spirit as the Spirit moves in you. That God, this is not a, a mental thing only, y'all, right? It might enter through your brain, 
right? But it's saying that God's Holy Spirit, the same one who moved on the earth to make something out of nothing, to create all you see, that Holy Spirit has to pick you up like the train, right? It has to pick you off. It has to take your heart to belief. And the key here is that we don't drive or direct it. The Spirit works on a predetermined track, timetable, and path of God's choosing. The, the things that happen in, to bring us belief are beyond our control or outside of our driving it and making it happen. You know, you hear people say, just believe real hard. No, that's not how it works. The Spirit has to take us from unbelieving to believing, from being able to hear to not being able to hear, from a purely carnal human wisdom to an experience and experiences that the Lord alone gives. If you are a believer... Sometimes you can say, I hear people in their testimonies, ain't no miracles ever happened in my life. Do you believe in Jesus? That's a miracle. Paul already explained, you shouldn't believe. This is foolishness. This is great. You, you ain't never had no miracle? You got the mind of Christ. What? You... you there's been a heart meld at the very least. Now, God don't let all in. You can't handle all of that. Your head would explode, right? But he's given you a mind and heart meld through the Spirit of God. That if you're a believer, you're connected to heavenly things. You were part of a spiritual conversation and happening that only God is doing. I ain't got no miracle. You are a miracle if you believe. You and I were born with the ability to believe and be in ability to believe and be in right relationship, but not with the power to become believers. It's like having a TV or computer without a power source or power cord or an antenna. You can't get no stations. See, y'all too, some of y'all too young to know what it is. Got to put the foil on the thing. To get the station, to get your third or fourth channel, right? We only have four channels. I'm old enough to remember having four or five channels. And if you're good, you might get a little UHF channel. If you're good. And sometimes the thing would be sideways. I watch plenty of sideways TV because the antenna wouldn't work. So imagine having a TV, no antenna, no coaxial cable, no, what's that blue one called? The Ethernet. Imagine having a smartphone and no internet connection. Not too smart, right? How smart's your smartphone if it ain't got no internet connection? That's a dumb phone. And that's what he's saying about our spiritual lives. We got all created by God and all the equipment, right? We got all the stuff. Yeah, it's been dropped a few times, been scratched, whatever. But you ain't got no connection. God has to come and make the connection. He has to put together what y'all got to make the connection. Y'all got a service plan. He's got a salvation plan. Right? He has to translate us into the spiritual world by his power, y'all. You know what's happened every time the gospel is preached? And I believe this. That simple telling of the same truth over and over. We sinners and Jesus, Savior, sinners. Look, again, anybody can get up here and preach. 
Here is the gospel. We sinners, Jesus the Savior sinners. All you got to do is go through every chapter of this book and begin to look at where in every story of this Bible, it's the same thing. Jesus, I mean, we are saviors, Jesus saviors sinners. Really? Every book? Yes. Every sermon? Yeah. I just kind of put some stuff on top of it, right? A sandwich is a sandwich. It's just some different dressings on it, right? Anybody can make a sandwich of the gospel in here. I'm just encouraging y'all. Doggone four years to put a sandwich together. Master of divinity, right? Yeah. It's a lot, there's a lot of dressings out there, but you know, okay, we're not getting into that. That ain't the illustration I want. But there's this supernatural adventure connection every time the gospel ministry is happening. The spirit is at work. Now you might not see it, but you are riding the Polar Express all the time. Sometimes it's calm, sometimes you're eating, sometimes it's crazy. Oh, but we have to be reminded, we can't even imagine what God has prepared for us. Like the testimony, again, we heard from Renika. Renika, you helped me write, you know, part of the sermon here. Y'all done heard the sermon through Renika. Thank you, sister. You know. Like we heard from Sister Renika through our community groups and, 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 and people caring. That, that, that happens all the time. The Spirit of God is working through those simple things. It's funny how the Polar Express is always five minutes when he looks at his watch. It's, I love this part. What time is it? Five minutes till Christmas. Yeah, that happened in first hour of the movie, second hour of the movie. Five hours till Christmas. Right? Five minutes, sorry. Five minutes till Christmas. And it doesn't strike 12 until everything has to be done for Christmas is done. Salvation belief is God taking the heart, moving the heart, making the heart to believe through the ministry of the gospel in a timing and space that is spiritually immeasurable to us. You see, in the movie, the trip they took to the North Pole was not just taking them to a place and position to believe. It was changing them to believe in the journey. Some of you may have heard the song, open the eyes of my heart, Lord, so I can see you. And this is exactly what the Bible says. God has and will open the eyes, not of your regular old mind, but your heart. That's what I'm expecting every week. Yeah, I work hard. Yeah, people in these ministries work hard. Yes, Pastor Josh works hard all week. Pastor Derek works hard all week, y'all. If you only see the kind of things they've put in place for community group and ministries to make sure you get the gospel. Yeah, we work hard all week. And God uses that to take you on a spiritual journey. He translates it. So the movie climaxes, this is the end here, through a transformative trip. And they end up in the North Pole, of course. And they see the elves in Christmas Town with the huge tree and all the process to get ready. And it builds up the Santa coming. Man, that song, Santa Claus is coming. I mean, it's grand. I'm like, I like that song, right? And there is such a crowd of elves that Chris can't see Santa clearly through, you know, the crowd, right? Um, and, and, and he can't, and he sort of can tell he is there. He sees his legs, boots, whatever. He can't see the whole Santa. And you feel this tension as Chris says, I can't see. And while others, I can see him, right? 
And as the reindeers come out, he still cannot hear the sleigh bells, a sign of not believing yet. And one of the bells pops off and rolls in front of him, and he picks it up and shakes it, still unable to hear. But he does it, and he says it three times, I believe, I believe, I believe. And then he's able to hear it. But he doesn't notice that Santa has walked up right behind him. And he turns and he sees him. And in the movie, the part of the story is that Santa must give out the first gift of Christmas before he can get going on his trip. And he chooses Chris. And he takes him into the sleigh and he asks him what he wants. And he lets Santa know what he wants, that he wants the bell that landed before him. And Santa stands up and lifts up the bell and says, the first gift of Christmas. And he hands it to Chris. The first gift of Christmas is the touchable gift of his son, Jesus Christ. He is Christmas's bell. That there is no Christmas, and there is no faith, and there is no belief, and there is no salvation, and there are no gifts unless we have him in our doubt, in our unbelief, and first gifts us with a message that we can hear, but also first gives us ears to hear, and first gives us hearts to receive and believe, and our ability to have relationship with Jesus in the ministry of the gospel, in the methods of us getting the truth and the words, and the ability to have hearts that can actually receive to believe and then believe to actually receive in the power to believe through the object of our faith Jesus Christ and to hear the resonating ring of the Holy Spirit and all these things God has given all things we need first for us to follow in anything and everything we are called to believe The movie ends with Chris losing the bell that Santa gave him because he had a hole in his robe. When he gets back home, saddened by the loss of the bell, his little sister finds an extra box under a tree. And of course, it's the bell with a note from Santa that he found it on the seat of his sleigh and that he better fix the hole in his pocket. The gift of faith and belief. This translation and bringing of spiritual gifts for us is not a one-time thing only. The Lord knows we have holes in our faith. He knows we will drop and doubt Jesus along the way. But he will not let us lose the gift. The first gift that connects us to faith in him. The gift of Christ through the Holy Spirit will never fail to ring anew in our hearts. To call us to come and stay aboard this trip of belief. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this trip of belief. You've given the first gift this Christmas in Christ. Then you gave another first gift for us to believe. (laughs) And then you gave another first gift in the gospel and administration. So that all these things, we may first have our first belief, our second belief, our third belief, our continuing faith and maturity in you. I pray for the people here who can't hear the bell. (laughs) Holy Spirit, come. The supernatural work of the Holy Spirit come. Work through these 
sermons and the community groups and phone calls we make to each other and ways we care for each other, like we heard about Renika, and, 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 and ways that we love our neighbors and ways we goofily say, hey, let me tell you about my crazy life and what Jesus did. Those goofy testimonies. Use those, Holy Spirit. Be the, vehicle, be the power in the vehicle of faith, Lord, and, and the means of grace. Help us not to give up on prayer and fellowship and, 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 and the mission that you've given us, Lord. You're taking us by your Spirit into things we can't even imagine that you have for those who love you. Thank you, Lord. We pray this for this Christmas season. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.